720 WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez. Back on this shift for a hot minute. I haven't been on the 11 to 2 since, uh, when was that, Heidemann? Like, holiday time-ish? Yeah, that sounds about right with uh, Jen Bosworth, right? Yes, with Jen Bosworth, who's like been in California doing fancy things. Mm -hmm. Looks like she's like enjoying sunshine. And finally, we caught up with her as of today. Yeah. Which is cool, because it's finally springtime here in Chicago. She's a true jet setter. She really is. She's fancy, but she's off doing fancy stuff. So it's just us chilling, hanging out here tonight. So we're going to do lots of things. We're going to talk about uh, the White House Correspondents' Dinner a little bit. We're going to check in with Rex Hupke here in just a minute from the Chicago Tribune. A little bit later, we're going to check in with Amber Nettles from the Chicago chapter of Women in Comedy. And we're going to talk about that with both of them. But we're going to talk about lots of stuff with Amber. But but we'll start there. Uh, we're also going to start, uh, we're also going to talk with Terry Gant. He's the owner of Third Coast Comics because free comic book day is coming up. And I have some questions. So it's not any comic. You can't just run into a store and just grab a comic because you will get arrested if you do that. So don't do that. But I have economic questions. You know what I mean? Like, if if you are a comic book store owner and you're like, I'm part of Free Comic Book Day, how how are you doing that? How is that feasible for you? Because you, you got to imagine that they're not making total bank on the comic books they've been selling over the past years. Right. And comic books are not $10,000 a piece. Yeah. And you're not going to get Spider-Man number three for free. So Right. Hmm. So I don't know how it works. So, so we have questions here. We've got questions for Terry Gant. Um, he is a regular, of course, on the Saturday Night Special. So you've heard him. That is also his voice that is on the the opening track for the Saturday Night Special. That first voice that you, that you heard that says, hello, WGN listening audience. That's his voice, <laughs> because that's how he opened a segment one time, and uh, esteemed producer Tom Hush grabbed that audio. So we're going to talk to him. We're going to talk with the fine people at Zen Yoga Garage, because what we all really need to do at one o'clock in the morning is calm down a little bit yes. <laughs> and chill out <laughs> and chill. So, Especially on a Monday. You know, we need to chill out on a mm-hmm. Monday 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. situation. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about And I'm going to try <laughs> to stay awake, and we're going to just chill and relax. Okay, maybe I'll we'll play some upbeat music instead of the Zen right. music that I had We I'd need, planned. like, some real clubby... Yes. Super... <laughs> Kylie Minogue, maybe... Yeah. <laughs> some P. Diddy. Something. Yeah. So we'll we can it. be, like, really, mm-hmm. you know, up, happy, dancey with that. And then... Then I love it when we have guests that help us fix our lives, right? So I think we will get that from the yoga people, but also we will talk to Robin Woodman, who her business card is so good. It says pusher of the semi-reluctant. Hmm. So she's a coach, something like a life coach. She like helps people uh, really go after the life that they want. And her story is very fascinating on her website, Robin with a Y, RobinWoodman.com. Um, really just interesting wake up calls throughout her life that, that led her to this life. And she now lives in Italy and helps people. Um, uh, she has a term for it, but it's basically she's like, you know what? Geography doesn't matter. You can be wherever you want and still do the work that you want. Yeah, I can feel that, and I like her. I like her uh, her motto: the se- the semi reluctant pusher of the semi reluctant. That's right up my alley. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you you can't be totally reluctant because otherwise we're just gonna waste both of our times here. Yeah. So so I like to sleep in on the weekend. So what? I'm just semi reluctant. <laughs> but the semi, it's like, well, I'd love to go mm-hmm. do this thing, but mm, I'm scared. Yeah, but I'm scared. Or yeah, but this. But and she'll like help you solve all the yeah, but. Okay. And and help you like go get the life that you want. That's her thing. Finally. And I I know right. So wow. at one thirty in the morning, we're gonna solve for all those things. 
get ready. This is life-changing radio tonight. That's what we're doing. That's what's happening. All right. Esteemed producer Michael Heidemann is in the booth. So if you want to give us a call anytime throughout the show, that will be his very friendly voice on the other end of the line that you'll speak to first. So be nice. Everybody's friends here. We're going to um, take a little break What we're, is what we're going to do uh, here in just a minute. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking with Rex Hupke from the Chicago Tribune getting his feelings about um, the White House Correspondents' Dinner this weekend. Lots to discuss there, and uh, Twitter has been alight with conversation about that since it occurred. So we're going to get, we're going to check in with him and see what he has to say about all that. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Hello there. It's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez tonight. Thanks for being with us. Always grateful to you for sharing part of your evening or afternoon or morning or whenever the heck I'm on. I just show up anytime they invite me. I just show up. I'm just happy to be here. That's what it is. All right. So we've got lots to do tonight. I'm going to be with you till two o'clock. So we have all kinds of stuff going on. We are going to be uh, talking with Terry Gant here in just a little bit on the other side of news. He's the owner of Third Coast Comics. We're talking about free comics comic book day there's a lot to say there uh and then a little bit later we're going to be talking with amber nettles who is the president of the chicago chapter of women in comedy so we're going to be doing that but before we do all that perhaps you know the other half of guth and hupke on politics mr rex hupke from the chicago tribune he joins us live now by phone hello rex hupke how are you I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. You had to think about that. <laughs> yeah, a little. I always have to consider it these days. But. You're like, how am I? Check Twitter. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. okay. I seem to still be alive, so that's good. <laughs> good enough. So winning. Um, well, yeah. thanks for being with us tonight, Hubkey. Always a joy to talk with you. Um, yeah, same. So, so the White House Correspondents' Dinner occurred this weekend, and I would like to discuss that with you. Okay. Cause Let's there, do it. Because there are things that occurred. So so I've been to this, right? I've, I've gone a couple times. And as I was saying to Justin Kaufman on the crosstalk section, um, you know, the first time you're like, my goodness, this is quite fancy and quite nice. But then, then something settles in. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Am I being wined and dined by Washington? Hang on a minute. Journalism isn't this fancy. So there's like, I have very mixed feelings about this kind of thing anyway so there's that there's good people watching there's stuff like i was at the one that trump was at that became kind of a a turning point for him let's say Um, (laughs) but um nonetheless so um this past one comedian michelle wolf like it, it she was the there's always a comedian and she was the host comedian and a lot of controversy ensued almost immediately even you know uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders start kind of refused to take a photo with her and then it really started to tumble from there and Twitter has kind of been just lit up with with angst about it ever since so where yeah, wh- what what say you on all this uh I, okay I to start with, I have never, I have never liked that, the event itself. Mm-hmm. I, I, to me, it it is not what journalists should do. Right. It's too it's too cozy um, mm-hmm. uh, with the people that they cover. You know, especially the White House uh, political reporters, et cetera. And um, so I've always it's always just kind of given me a, a bad vibe anyway. But now. <laughs> It's become even more complicated, I think, by the current administration and the relationship between this administration and the press. So I I thought Michelle Wolf just was amazing. And I thought she was 
savagely honest and uh, pointed out a lot of issues, both in the administration and in uh, among political journalists uh, that were very (laughs) good to hear for as far as I'm concerned anyway. Um, But the, the reaction then as anyone could expect especially in this current climate was you know everybody all the republicans all sort of clutched their pearls and said oh my heavens how how dare you you know say such mean things uh and then what made it even so that was bad but then what made it even worse was then you had a bunch of political journalists also saying well she went too far this was she was nasty. She was not nice. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? No. You hired a comedian to come and roast people. That's exactly what that comedian did and, frankly, did it with a scalpel. I mean, like, mm-hmm. really, really, really got people. And then for the journalists who were there to be kind of like, oh, this this isn't what we wanted at all, and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's all nonsense. It's all ridiculous. It played right into the hands of, of the, really, the kind of Republican line about, you know, the media uh, being, uh, you know, sort of in the bag against them. And I, I just, the whole thing disgusted me, frankly. Mm-hmm. And um, it never should have happened. It shouldn't happen at all. But it, you know, if you're if it's gonna happen, then I think the White House Correspondents Association needs to at least stick to its guns a little bit and not fold like a napkin as soon as the people on the right start griping about what was said. So right. anyway, so the, I, I, yeah, like statements that. start being issued, um, stances are taken on social media with very prominent people, and you know, a bunch of comedians rushed to defend Michelle Wolf and a bunch of other people. I mean, it was really, it, it's kind of one day in some class, probably very soon, it will be a very interesting case study, I think, because yeah. um, even the New York Times headline was, did Michelle Wolf kill the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which is you know, even that headline, I think, is quite problematic in its, um, you know, in its boldness. But nonetheless, you know, people are kind of speculating about, well, let's not do this anymore. Let's make it something different. Let's not do it at all. Let's, um, you know, and, and there was comparisons made to the gridiron dinner, which is a, another big DC event. Um, but that one is always like singe, but don't roast, you know, don't don't burn, <laughs> don't don't make it mean. Um, and that one's off the record. And so that one, you know, you don't, get as mired in controversy generally because, mm-hmm. you know, the room you're going to offend is is not going to be talking about what occurred, you know, from the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I also, to, to fellow liberals, I, I, you know, who were okay with this and who got their hackles up at the blowback, I also say, you know what, you wouldn't have had the same reaction if you had a comedian going that hard against, you know, people in the Obama administration or something mm-hmm. like that. And of course, people will immediately shout false equivalence at, at me, false equivalency at me. And I'll respond, well, no, you shut up about that because I'm <laughs> sick of the false equivalency nonsense because yeah. it's true. Like, it's absolutely true. So this whole thing, I mean, honestly, it exposed. I was it drove me nuts all weekend, frankly, because it just exposed 
so much of our of the problems we have right now. Yeah. You know, the uh, and the sort of tribal warfare and the hypocrisy and just and, and I mean, on all sides, not just on the right by any means. I mean, it, it's on the left, too. Uh, there is no way on God's green earth that people would have calmly gone about their business if a comedian had gotten up and skewered people in the Obama administration the way that she did people in the Trump administration. And again, if a comedian had come along during the Obama administration and done that, I would say the same thing, that they did a brilliant job because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the response would have been flipped. And uh, so I, it's just frustrating. And again, you know, I mean, our a big thing for journalists is just to not make news, right? Right. Uh, and that's exactly what this does every year. And in this case, it did it on a much larger scale than usual. And it's just a mess. I mean, it just makes, you know, things it makes it harder for a lot of journalists out there who are just trying to do their jobs. And, you know, this just sort of increases the uh, divide over over journalists and whether they're trustworthy and whether they're not biased and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was... Um uh, no, I agree. And I, I, like I said, I, I've been to it. And when I was there, I was on, um, I wasn't in a reporter role and I wasn't covering mm-hmm. politics. And, you know, so I felt better, you know, I felt okay and clear of clear conscience to go, but then felt still sitting there in that room. I was like, wow, this is a little chummy. I mean, it's fun and it's cool. It's, you know, always fun to play dress up, but it was also like, well, does it make sense to be, to be doing this? And, and yeah, you know, exactly what you're saying. It, it did feel a little chummy and it did, yeah. you know, and I remember thinking, you know, it would be a very different experience to do, to, to be in this profession in, in DC because it's just a completely different, um, a very, gosh, just such a different vibe than it is here in Chicago. Yeah, it is. It's a strange. Well, you know, another dynamic to this too, like the you know the 18th layer to the the whole thing in terms of of how it <laughs> held a mirror up to to the uh, chaos of our of our current situation here was that people, especially people defending uh, Michelle Wolf, were like, "Well, she's doing what you should be doing as journalists. She's calling them out, and you know, she's standing up to." this, that, and the other thing. And so again with that, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, but you know what? A journalist can't do that. I mean, even a columnist would have a hard time being as pointed as she was. She's a comedian. She can do that. That that fits more in in what she does. I mean, so people who don't understand how journalism works just immediately jump to, well, why aren't you doing what Michelle just did? And and that, again, it just gets frustrating because it's like, well, you know, you can't really... (laughs) If all the journalists were doing what she does, then journalism kind of would cease to exist. I mean, it would just be all, you know, uh, opinion and and strong, you know, uh, like I said, very pointed uh, barbs and that sort of thing. Yeah. So so what do you think will happen with the White House Correspondents Dinner? I don't think they're going to just do away with it. Yeah, I think no that, way. There's I, no I mean, way. That's what they should. That's what they should do. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they, it should not happen anymore. They can do something else. I mean, do, you know, there's all kinds of ways to celebrate. I mean, it should be, you know, a celebration of, you know, journalism and good. So there's all kinds of things they could do. They don't have to make it this kind of, you know, uh, cross pollinated mix yeah. of um, of journalists and, and actual politicos and stuff. But uh, 
I mean, I think they'll try something mundane for next year, something, and it'll be kind of dopey, and and then maybe it dies a slow death. I, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll just um, tank it right away. Um, of course, who knows? Who knows where we'll be a year? <laughs> I know. I mean, as we say on the podcast I mean, all the time, right? That it's like, well. Yeah. That was, oh, that was a week ago. It feels like months ago that that thing occurred because it's just, you know, news comes out. It comes at us so quickly now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. You know, another layer that was interesting was um, I, I saw some, you know, anytime there's a big controversy brewing, I always think it's very interesting to just kind of look through Twitter and look at some keywords and look at just just kind of get a pulse on what people are saying across the the range of opinions. And there mm-hmm. was, it seemed like there were some people, particularly some female comedians um, that seemed a little torn about they wanted to kind of defend Michelle Wolf, but then also uh, seemed like they couldn't really defend her attacking the appearance of other women, even if they were women they disagreed with. Which, which I, uh, yeah, that's fair. I think that's a that's a tricky moment. Yeah, I saw that also, and I mean the thing that confused me, and I and I think it confused a lot of people also. Again, based on the same thing you're talking about, based on looking at Twitter and the various reactions, was that I I didn't quite get what the uh, everybody seemed to make it sound like she attacked Sarah Sanders appearance. And I didn't get that. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't get that the joke she was telling was actually doing anything to knock Sarah Sanders appearance. It was, if she was not, I mean, she was talking about the fact that she lies and, you know, uses that for like smoky. I, I mean, again, it, but it wasn't an insult. I, I, I don't know. That whole thing confused me, frankly, because I, I just didn't, I felt like people were kind of re- reading into it what they wanted to read into it and, and stuff and, and missing the joke um, personally. But I, I don't know. It, it was all it just it set off such a frenzy. I mean, yeah, it, was, it really did. It, I know. Every, I, I uh, right. When, when I wake up in the morning, I usually look at Twitter and just say, OK, what has exploded overnight? Like what has happened? <laughs> Who has tweeted what? What is going on? What fresh hell awaits us today? And I'll yeah. kind of scroll around and just kind of see what's happening. And and I saw a couple of your tweets about it and, and some people, you know, responding to you uh, kind of right right away when I open the app. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of all around the board and it seems like it's like competitive outrage. Um, some rightly so some not. And, um, I think everybody will kind of, mo- I feel like a lot of people anyway, tend to grab the one, like one little piece of, of, a, of the bigger picture and really just kind of drive that point home and not let go of it. And I think it's very difficult for people to see kind of big picture or have really meaningful conversation if we're all kind of pulling at little corners of the blanket here, you know? Yeah. And the, I mean, the real absurdity of all this, especially when it comes to the issue of, uh, of any kind of critique of someone's appearance or something like that, whatever, whatever somebody thinks Michelle said that was offensive doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of, of the things that Donald Trump himself has said about right, women right, right. in tweets since he's been in office, even right. uh, in terms of, you know, just calling people dogs and pigs and mm-hmm. uh, calling women dogs and pigs and, you know, just all kinds of horrible talking about, uh, you know, people getting plastic surgery and, you know, just all kinds of horrible stuff. So, you know, spare me the... <laughs> 
spare me the outrage. If uh, right. if you're if you're okay with with the president of the United States saying that, then you know you don't have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to a comedian. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, we're just going to have to continue to see it unfold and see what happens, and we'll we'll see what's happening this time next year. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah I so, but I would say uh, tune in for more riveting, in-depth analysis on the next episode of Guth and Huppy on politics, where I'm sure, actually, by then, no, this will seem like it's five months old. Really will. It's going to be so much that's going to happen in the next day and a half. <laughs> right. It's Monday night. By Wednesday afternoon, it'll be like. Who? We're going to be like, remember five weeks ago, that White House Correspondents Dinner? Oh, Boy, that was crazy. Remember the 20 stories that have happened in the last 24 hours? Yeah. Ah, good times. Well, until then, Rex Hubke, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Always a pleasure. Have a good rest of the evening. Always a joy. All right. Talk to you later. All right, Amy. Thanks. You bet. All right. We're going to take a little break, get you to news, all that good stuff. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Hello there. It's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez with you till 2 a.m. Hanging out with esteemed producer Michael Heideman. Here in the beautiful Showcase studio on Michigan Avenue. It is lovely as ever. Always a joy to be here. So lots to do on the show tonight. Lots of people to talk to. Um, We're going to be in a little bit talking with the president of the Chicago Chapter of Women in Comedy, Ms. Amber Nettles. We're going to check in with her. We're going to be talking with the fine people from Zen Yoga Garage Chicago because we all need a little bit of zen in our lives, especially about one o'clock in the morning. That's what you need is some meditation and yoga. And then we're going to be talking with Robin Woodman. She's a coach, but her business card says the coolest thing. It says pusher of the semi-reluctant, which I love. So as you can see, we have a lot going on tonight, but we could not possibly neglect to bring on our good friend Terry Gant, who is uh, a regular contributor to this station and certainly many programs I host. He is the owner of Third Coast Comics in Edgewater right here in Chicago, and it is a fine, fine establishment. But there is a thing coming up, and it is called Free Comic Book Day, and I have many questions about it because that just sounds like one of those deals that's too good to be true. So I thought we would just bring Terry in and talk with him about it. So joining us by phone now, please welcome Terry Gant. Hi, Terry. How are you? Hey, Amy, and hello, WGN listening audience. Yes, it's your tagline. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love it. How are you, Terry? How's everything? I'm doing good. How's everybody there? Oh, we're all good. We're just, you know, chilling. We got the lights way up because we can't get sleepy. It's the middle of the night. We got to get awake and alive. Real talk. It's a long week. That's right. It's only Monday evening. Right, right. We're just starting. Okay. So you are my go-to comic book professional because you know all things and you have encyclopedic knowledge of all things comic books. So explain Free Comic Books Day. I have many questions. Uh, It's been around for a few years. It's not brand new. Uh, But this is a thing that's happening all over the place, not just here in Chicago. Um, It's national. It is national. Lots of people participate. Um. My, my first question is, you know, how do you participate, followed by how is that feasible for an independent comic book shop to be giving away comic books to people? Okay, I'll explain both things. So the first thing for how you participate, if you're a shop, 
Um, and you've got a distributorship or you're connected to one like we are with a, a national distributorship. The distributor uh, gets in contact with publishers and says to those publishers, free comic book day every year is the first Saturday in May. This year it happens to be May 5th. And every comic shop in the nation can participate. And in order to participate, what the shops have to do is basically go through your distributor, make some orders, and the, the distributor will give you, or the publishers basically will uh, come up with a variety of offerings that they have they will offer to you, the retailer, at a reduced rate. So I'm giving away comics for free, but the comics I'm giving away, I pay a lot less for. So it is worth it to me to go big on a bunch of free comics in order to get you, the fan, in to check out the free comic offerings. Now, if you were just saying to yourself, I don't really just, do I really need some extra comics kind of laying around? Even if they're free comic book day comics, that's a strong maybe. It's it's, It's leaning more towards yeah than no. But each shop has a chance to now do a special event kind of thing, which is what we're doing, which is we're having like, you know, seven or eight different graphic novelists and, and, and comics artists and, and various other types of artists in, in our shop that day, so that if you're bringing kids or if you're a fan yourself, or if you're just kind of comics adjacent, and you want like a sketch of your favorite character, or even like, you know, some kind of mid-range character you're always curious about or whatever, walk up to a comics artist and say, can you draw me, you can say Batman, you can say Wonder Woman, you can say the Vision from the Avengers movies, you can say anything you want. You can say Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and whatever artist you're talking to would draw you that character in their style at our shop, right? Now, every other shop has their own guest artist or whatever, or they just have comics, or they have whatever event they have going on, but that's what we do. We bring in artists from Edgewater, Rogers Park, and around the area to who are graphic novelists who would love to meet you, right? And then they draw sketches for you. They sign their own books. If they've got the books out, they'll sign those for you. And then you pick up some free comics and maybe you support my shop and you buy some stuff from me and everybody goes home happy or happier. Or happier. I like it. Yeah. But this seems like an extension of what you kind of do already. I mean, I think Third Coast is so um, is such a, a community building spot. That's I feel like that's what I would kind of always free comic book day. I would do it. Every other month, if I could, mm-hmm. it is it is entirely like the spirit of what Third Coast Comics is about. Is I don't I don't care how long you've been reading comics. I don't care that you actually do read comics on a regular basis. I don't care if you've been in for twenty years. I don't care if you've been twenty for twenty minutes. Great, welcome to the family. Right, come on in, check out what's going on. This genre of graphic novel and comic books is for everyone. Right. So when free comic book day became a thing, I could participate in it. Once I opened the store, it was kind of like fantastic. This worked. It was community building. It is marketing. It is it is storytelling. It's speculative fiction. It's all these things all rolled into one day. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't know if there's enough coffee for me. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's me. This is me. And now, I love it. It's my shop. This is it. I like it. Yeah. And and now do you have a say in what comic book you get as the free comic book people will be receiving? Yeah, that's kind of the part that's most confusing to people is there are more comics being offered um, that I could order than I can actually order. So I tend to hypothetically, let's say there are 200 different titles on offer. Mm -hmm. I might order maybe 90 of the 200, right? Because I only have so much physical space to display them. And I only I only have a limited amount of time in the day to give them away. Mm-hmm. So I don't, no shop, I don't, I don't think any shop orders all, I can't imagine any shop orders everything, right? Um, I kind of have to have a balance between giving where I'm at in like kind of Rogers Park Edgewater. I have to have a good balance between like all ages comics and some like not so all ages comics because I need to run sort of a, a zone of 
what would adults be into, what would college students be into, what would kids be into, right? Mm. So of a lot of what's offered, I do sort of, I go, I go pretty broad with what it is I'm carrying, but I've, I've learned over the years to keep an eye on who tends to come so I can tailor it to like what those guys tend to want. If I were a shop in the suburbs, like in a place where you don't really have to worry about like kind of, you know, your, your grad students so much, or if I was a shop in downtown Chicago where it's going to be you know, a lot of people in, you know, khakis doing their business casual thing, you know, doing their like arrested development, like tracksuits to work, then <laughs> that'd be a different kind of zone I'd have to work out. But like for where I am, this is kind of where I got to be. Yeah. You know, so, so of the titles on offer, which one are you most excited about handing out right now? There are some really, so there's a, every year there's some things that you, 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 you kind of are surprised are, are things being offered. There is a, a version of the tick, there's a the tick, I want to say a version of, but it's like a, a, a comic for the tick who's kind of an 80s independent mm-hmm. character who's at a TV show. Patrick Warburton played him. Like, there's a comic for that. Marvel and DC both have a couple of different comics that they're doing that are kind of like surprise comics, like, like the fan base doesn't know what they are, that they're doing freebies of. There's a few like sort of sci-fi things that Image Comics and Boom Studios are doing. There's a lot of different things out there. And they tend to arrive in my store about like a month before free comic book day so i tend like you know count them up make sure everything's there then i put them in a box and shove them in a corner somewhere and i don't think about it and then this week i'm like going back through them and i'm rubber stamping them with the third coast logo and all that and everything now i'm going back through the boxes again like oh my god wait really that's a thing that's cool you know like there, there's a lot of things all right i've probably got a good like 40 or 50 titles oh, okay so that's really the place to be now I I love your shop dearly. I have loved it a very long time. And then you have that like some little community area, but also like the shop itself is a a small little compact thing, but then there's some community area. Um, How are you going to handle the crowds? So what I tend to do, yeah, we have an event space. So there's an event space connected to my store and all the free comics and the artists are in the event space. So it's kind of like coming to a little miniature comic book convention, right? We've got maybe like seven or eight different artists who will be in that space. And then if you want to buy a thing from the shop, you just kind of work your way back into the shop, which is pretty easy to do. And then you just pick out your actual, like, not so free comic book day comics. And then you, you actually give me actual U.S. dollars for those things. Right. Indeed. Indeed. We're talking with Terry Gant. He is the owner of Third Coast Comics. We've been talking about free comic books day because that is a thing and it is coming up. It is coming up really soon. And he's uh, Third Coast. That's the place to be for it. We're going to take a little break and we come back. We're going to continue discussing all things comic book with him back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size. Catches seeds, just like guys. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Is he 720 WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez. We have been talking about free comic books day, because that's the thing that's coming up on the 5th. And so anytime comics, anything comes up, we bring in regular contributor to this program, Terry Gant. He is the owner of Third Coast Comics up in Edgewater. You should go to it. It is a great spot. It is a fine, fine establishment. So he has joined us to talk about that and in particular, talk about some of the events happening at his store for 
for to celebrate this fine, fine occasion of Free Comic Book Day. Um, so you mentioned, Terry, that you will have a bunch of artists there doing some work on yep. on the spot with people. Um, and you've always done um, such a cool, wonderful job at Third Coast of really showcasing local talent, which I which I really, really love because it seems like so in so many creative industries, it seems like people do a lot of great work in Chicago and then get poached by one of the coasts and off they go to California or New York. So any anytime people are making things better for for artists in Chicago, I really love that and really applaud it. So so tell us about the artists that will be with you um, for Free Comic Book Day. Okay, so first there's a group called the Northside Comic Book Artist Studios. Um, they've done like three or four Kickstarters for their anthology comics, which all have a different theme, right? So uh, Ed Witt, John Ashton Golden, Justine Savage, and Andrea Pearson will be there representing those guys. Sean Dove of Four Star Studios, who's a like a, um, he does a bunch of different kind of graphic design work, yeah. as well as the, he does some really cool all ages sort of um, comics that are web available, as well as he's got some things coming out from I think maybe like First Second or Fantagraphics, somebody like that in the summer. Um, other people who do really good all ages things are. Uh, Joel Siegel, who's local, and uh, Tom Kelly, who is a great, he does these amazing prints as well as I would love to be able to describe, I can't, I don't have words to describe the awesome things he will do if you just walk up to him and say, hey, my favorite character is blah. What Tom Kelly will spit out for you with just some like, like, like acrylic paint and ink, you won't believe. George Gant will be there, who is an all-age graphic novelist who is not actually related to me, I think. <laughs> as far as we His know. His name is George Gant. We're probably cousins. We've been trying to figure this out for a while. But he does some really cool uh, sort of things, too. That it, so if you're bringing kids, that's perfect. Um, Jonathan Lamantia will be there, who is not an all-ages style artist. He does some of the most amazing, creepy, horror-themed oh, sort nice. of like drawings and illustrations w- w- involving like pen and ink that you're going to ever see. Kind of in that Bernie Wrightson kind of like... Uh, mm-hmm. event if you're like a fan of that kind of thing and um there's a couple things where it matters the timing right so if time is an issue from two o'clock to four o'clock that day is the time that we'll have lucy nisley of uh chicago graphic novelist fame she will also be there and she's done books like age of license and relish and French milk and a bunch of other things that people have uh displacement is one something new about like you know, like her, her, it's a, a memoir about being getting married. Um, yeah, she'll be there. And so everyone is local. Everyone is from the region. Most of them are from the Rogers Park and Edgewater area. They all do really fantastic work. Some of them are, are in the shop on a regular basis. Some of them, it's their first time doing an event with us. You know, it's, it's pretty broad. All the things, yeah. Yeah, and then, all of them. So, so you mentioned a few all-ages stuff. So if someone's bringing yep. kids, what kind of stuff, what other kind of, uh, you know, will you have any other activities for kids? So maybe like, you know, you brought kids, but you want stuff for yourself and you don't want to leave children running around a store or unattended, all that. You know, is there other stuff then for I'll, kids to I'll do? I'll point you to like the adults, like my wife. And then if you want to go into the shop... My wife can, like, make sure your kid doesn't, like, you know, go off and eat all the pizza. And then, you know, you can buy your things and then the kid's going to walk out with, like, two slices of pizza and you're all good. Okay, good. So you will feed the yeah. children. 
I'm saying that because I want the people to come and I want them to bring the children. And if they're if there happens to be no pizza, you can just go next door to the actual pizza place yeah. called Felice's, which is run by students of Loyola University right next door to my shop. I'm saying pizza to like psych myself up and ordering pizza for those kids. There you go. So so what age group uh, when we say kids, what are like what's the youngest kid you would bring? Generally for for the comics and things that I've seen offered or for even for the design work that gets done, I've seen people bring kids as you know, like young as four. Okay. You know what I mean? Like from four to like the 12 year olds, the 12 year olds are looking for Deadpool and darker things at that point. Yeah. Right. But you can bring them, you know, there's, there's a lot of what I, I had one person come who was largely looking for things to like, trying to get artists to draw images and, and characters so that they can decorate their kid's room. Oh. Right. So, like, it doesn't even matter if the kid even understands what's happening right now. The parent understands what's happening. Right. You'll appreciate this one day with your comic yeah. books room. Yeah. You'll thank me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when you're a teenager, you're going to hate all of this. But for now, I'm the best. Right, right. Much you know? later, you'll be like, identify with that. man, I had cool decor in my bedroom. But, yeah. but for now. Yeah. Well, cool. So, uh, family event, all ages thing. Uh, go get the free comic book on free comic book day. And uh, where can people follow you on social media and find you online and all that good stuff in the meantime and after? Great. Okay, so the shop itself is Third Coast Comics at 6443 North Sheridan Road in Rogers Park on Loyola's North Shore campus. You can find me on Twitter at 3RD, Coast Comics, Third Coast Comics, and you can find Third Coast Comics on Facebook pretty easily, and Third Coast Comics is also on Instagram. We're pretty active there, too. So we're around. You, we're not hard to find. If you aren't sure where to find me, holler, throw up a signal. I'll come to you. We're good. You know? Always, always community building, and always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much for being with us tonight, Terry. Thank you, Amy. All right. And happy free comic book day, and we will see you then. You got it. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So I'm going to take a little break here and then we're going to get you to news. All those good things back in just a bit. Amy Guth in for Patty Vasquez here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Hello. It's Amy Guth in for Patty Vasquez. I had to let that song play a minute. It's a good one. That is a fine song that I have not listened to in years. It's a good one. You're playing some good jams tonight, Michael Heideman. Thank you very much. You always do. Thanks. Even that one time that we played Chuck Bangioni for like 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Even then, no. We needed to dissect every single chord progression. We had and, a lot uh, to discuss. For reference, solo. if you don't know what we're talking about, when Jen Bosworth and I were filling in <laughs> over the holiday season, we were doing a lot of this shift together, and, and Mike Heidman was with us, and somehow we started talking about Chuck Mangione and and that the song like mm-hmm. feels so good is like that song of his everybody knows oh yeah and we kept discussing it so we just like kept bringing it back up <laughs> listened to it for such a long time it was also like 2.30 in the morning or something so good times <laughs> yeah, I were had I, by all I think I used that bump probably four or five Many times that night time. it made her very glad is yeah. what it did she refers to him as Chuck Mangione though and I'm always well is it Chuck Mangione or Chuck Mangione we did disagree on that we don't know because we can't get a hold of him i that's a good point we need, we need to know from him you know he that hat is so just famous He's rocking. He, he can do it all so so i i have something to discuss totally it, shifting gears it's from, from nothing him. to do with chuck mangione nothing sure? to do with him uh, okay. or trumpets or the <laughs> 70s whatsoever um i'm i i i'm kind of a minimalist like i like 
a great deal of tidiness in my home and I don't like to have a lot of extra crap sitting around. I'm not big on kitchen gadgets, even though I cook all the time. I don't like, I'm just like, you know, I can accomplish it with a good paring knife. I don't need a bunch of extra gadgets. I don't need all the stuff. But once in a while, a gadget comes along, Mike Heidemann. A gadget comes along and you're like, how in the hell did I live before I had this? Yeah. So let us call to mind those gadgets that we have in our lives. If you would like to share one, 312-981-7200, I would love to hear from you. And here's why this is on my mind. A product was sent to me. It is called the Elfin Book, E-L-F-I-N, elfinbook.com. And it is the strangest little notebook I've ever seen in my dang life. Okay. It is, it's little. It's like, I'm all, I always have a notebook with me because I'm always taking notes on something or interviewing somebody or whatever. It's a, it's a little notebook. The paper feels kind of weird. It feels like it's smoother than normal paper. And it comes with like this pen that, I don't know. Anyway, here's the rub with this. With There's a couple of products like this, but this one is kind of unusual. So you, you write your note and then you also put the Elfin Book app on your phone and then when you write your note, you take your picture and it and it does like a scanner like Evernote does and takes a very beautiful copy and lets you kind of stretch the photo and make it look perfect and makes a PDF of what you've just written. So it's lined paper, but then in the back of it, it's got smooth paper. So I guess artists and architects are really into this because you can immediately have a digital file if, you, if your sketch ends up being really brilliant, right? So, but here's the rub. The, the pen they sent with it is erasable and, and like good erasable, not like, you know how ballpoint pens say they're erasable, but like... They never are. It's not. It drags it across the page. Yeah, and then you rip your paper and it's done. So <sighs> no, but this is actually erasable. But here's the thing that is blowing my mind, and that is you, once the notebook is full and you're ready to be done and start over, you get a little cup of water, put a little bit, just a little bit of water on the bottom, Set the the notebook in a special, like in a certain way. You have to flip the back cover, but then set it horizontally over top of the water and microwave the thing and all of the pages erase. We we are in the future. So what's happening? That's like the dumbest thing that's blowing my mind and that nothing has ever made me want to write more notes than that. That's truly astonishing that they came up with that technology or even somebody had a dream about creating a a magic notebook that you can stick in the microwave and make all the pages disappear. It it is the Etch-A-Sketch of notebooks. That's a great, great way to describe it. No shaking required. It's the Etch-A-Sketch of notebooks. So what I was interested in, the reason this got, you know, sent my way is because... I'm always I, I've I've said on the air before and I've tweeted a little bit about how I'm trying to use um, fewer plastics and trying to reuse more things before I just straight up recycle them and then finally recycle them after I've gotten more use out of them. Just trying to have a smaller carbon footprint. You know, I really enjoy nature and I would like to see it not destroyed. And I don't know that I really trust that Elon Musk, so I'm not sure I want to go to the Mars colony. I'd rather just work out this planet. So that's where I'm at. And so I'm trying to, you know, be more thoughtful with the earth. You know, and I love plants and things like that. So um, that was kind of the first thing I was like, oh, neat, a reusable notebook. I wonder how that works. And that's where we are. So I have it with me right now. And it's the weirdest little thing. I feel like it's hearing me (laughs) or something. (laughs) It's listening. <laughs> well, it does have an app, and it is made of magic, so that's quite a possibility. Clearly, it's now, taking notes. Does it have an expiration date on it, or can you that's just a use great it question. in per- perpetuity? That's a great question. As far as I know, you use it in perpetuity. You use it forever. Wow. 
Yep. So I'm going I'm to report back because I've only had it for just a few hours. But um, I was I was looking around and seeing like what people were tweeting about it and looking at some other stuff. And it seems like especially if if you are drawing things like calligraphers and artists mm-hmm. and like seem really gung ho about this because you never know when the sketch is going to be perfect. And you're like, oh, my God, I got to have this in digital form. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. We have, we have Scott Stantis, who is on a lot. He's the Chicago Tribune cartoonist, mm-hmm. political cartoonist. He has a cool setup in his office. Yeah, and I wonder if this would be perfect for him, because he's always doing sketches, mm-hmm. and he loves microwaves. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> He's got, like, this cool... I've seen this. He, he's got, like... It's like a ginormous tablet mm-hmm. that's, that's bigger than a computer screen, and he will, like, draw on that, and there's a way to hook it up to some kind of paper component and draw on it as appearing there at the same time like i've watched him draw on that it just suddenly off it goes Mm -hmm. it's cool but you're able to make a cartoon or like here's an example a cartoon of that you want to put on a t-shirt and you're able to scan it from your pad of paper uh onto your phone and then send it to other people too right immediately so what what we were what what i was like playing with before the show was i was taking notes for all the things i was going to talk about and all the people i was going to talk to Mm -hmm. during the show and then i transferred that into like a rundown document and printed that and handed you one but in fact what i could have done is just scanned it and then it would have just sent you a pdf all that paper could have been saved. We are in the future. This, it's truly astonishing that this even exists. I'm, I'm, out, I'm blown out of my mind. So what, what other, what gadgets are in your life that are you like? I never knew I needed this. Mm-hmm. Mine? Yeah. Ooh, well, it's funny you, uh, you ask this because I'm actually, I'm a big gadget guy, and I never was before because I'm all, I'm the same way. I'm very minimalistic. Mm-hmm. But there was one thing that I got from a friend, and she had sent it to me because she knew that I was trying to eat healthy. Okay. And it's called the Dash Egg Cooker, and I talk about this. <laughs> All the time. In fact, I feel like I'm talking about it too much lately, but it's an amazing egg cooker. You put, it's like a little orb, and you put your eggs in there. You can put up to six eggs, and it cooks the most perfect hard-boiled egg you will ever eat in your entire life. So, okay, so it's, this isn't like, I was picturing like the omelet microwave thing. So you Mm -mm. put just full-on raw eggs in there, not cracked or anything. You, You put a little tiny dot of, you pierce it just a little bit. With what? With the, it comes with its own piercer. <laughs> so it comes with an egg piercer. Yes. Okay. And then you 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 kind of position them in their little pods. Okay. You, you put the top over the dome, and you plug it in. Sixteen minutes later, comes the most perfect egg you will ever eat. Sixteen minutes. You can boil an egg in like five. Uh, Sixteen egg. or twelve. I know because it, it, microwave he, or stove. It, no, it's 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 its own machine. That's oh, the beauty of it. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, so it's his own machine, and I it's changed my breakfast game entirely. <laughs> I'm being totally honest here, too. So the Dash Cooker, please call me up. I will wear a T-shirt. I will get it tattooed <laughs> on my neck if you want me wow, to. It's the that Dash great. Cooker neck tattoo. We're getting serious here. Okay. So that one was really good. Do you? But you use uh, very. You said that you use not too many cooking devices. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah, because I just, you know, I like to just, like a paring knife can Mm -hmm. get me through most things. But I would say the damn salad spinner Mm -hmm. is life-changing because, okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? So it's like... It's like a bowl with a basket that sets in it. And then there's a lid Mm -hmm. with like a top that you just like press it down. 
you press this button on the top and it starts spinning the little basket inside the bowl. So you you use it like a colander and mm-hmm. you rinse the lettuce, put it in the bowl and start pressing this button and it spins it dry. So you don't have to deal with soggy lettuce. It's very clean. But then you store it in there and it stays like very crisp a long time. Oh, so you can keep it in. Oh, man, we should do an infomercial for one of these <laughs> things. This sounds so great. I'm also getting very hungry at the moment. I, OK, you said infomercial and I have to tell you a story. So I do some voiceover work freelance here and there, mm-hmm. you know, and I have the equipment at home. And so when I get stuff, I'll, I'll just record at home and and off I go, sit off the files and, and off we go, you know? Yeah. Um, so the other day I got some voiceover work that had to be done pretty quickly for another time zone. And so I just did it really fast early in the morning. My apartment building, if you follow me on Twitter, you know... The walls are real thin. Mm-hmm. We do not. Um, the residents of my building, we, we are not fancy people. We have <laughs> thin walls and thin floors. So probably not the best for screaming voiceovers. Yeah, not screaming. It was, you know, very, very mellow voiceover work. Oh, see, I was picturing a more of a Billy Mays. No, kind no. Of, okay. But nonetheless, I cannot say the words my neighbor said because it is words that will get me fired for saying on the air. But, but like... <laughs> I do it and I'm processing, you know, file, processing the file and I'm about to send it off to the person I was, you know, doing this voiceover work for so that it would be there when they woke up in the morning. You know, they needed it really early. Yeah. Um, and I hear my neighbor downstairs <laughs> ask, like, if I was doing infomercials or what. He did not say it that way. He said it in a much more colorful manner, but clearly in exasperation. He was like, she doing infomercials up there or what? He was like, not. Oh, you heard this through the walls. Through the floor. <laughs> He said it below my my floor, <laughs> and I heard him very clearly, and it included an f bomb. Well, how I many tweeted. times you need to go through it? Did you do a See, lot of tests? I had to do several, and I didn't get a lot of direction for what they wanted. Oh. So, so in that case, I'll usually send like three or four versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes in this case, I had like. Um, kind of a lower, mellow voice. And then I had one that was really, really excited. And then I was like, there's probably a time constraint because most things you need to be like 52 seconds or 26 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's a lot of copy here. I better say it really, really fast. And one had like a legal disclaimer at the bottom. Oof. You have to do those even faster and, and really kind of monotone. So it probably sounded like an infomercial. Oh, like and they just and they knew you were talking to yourself the entire time too, which is the saddest part. <laughs> I know, like, I know. They're like, well, at least maybe do you ever have to do it in like a Cockney accent or no? Anything? I do not. Oh, I do thank, not accept. Thank God, because then <laughs> I feel so bad for your neighbors. Governor, <laughs> hello. <laughs> have you bought the dash cooker lately? Oh my God! Yeah, no, I don't. I don't do. I don't do. Uh, I do many with the accents. I mostly okay. am just doing. I'm doing advertisements, uh, sports in particular. Oh man, I'm doing ads. So, well, that's you know what. To be honest, after living with many people and and having roommates, I think that somebody doing an infomercial would be the least of my worries that I'd want to hear. I know, right? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Glass houses, <laughs> Mister Downstairs Guy. <laughs> um, I have heard. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I would say this. Our um, floor plans are identical, mm-hmm. and it's a one bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. so my bedroom slash audio studio is also is sitting directly above his bedroom so i acknowledge i'm doing voiceovers at six in the morning and he's trying to sleep i'm sure but like you know what i i have heard plenty of activity coming up through the floor from him from his bedroom so 
Grant me the voiceover grace. I'm here. guessing he wasn't doing infomercials. He, I sure hope not. <laughs> that is you don't a- want to hear those commercials. <laughs> that is not a commercial you want to see. Earmuffs, people. Earmuffs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, neighbors, they can either be the best or they can be very much the worst. Thing. Right. Yeah. I, I have a couple of neighbors that are so lovely and so nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're like text friends. So we can kind of like... Um, like for example, one neighbor got his car broken into and was like texting us about it. So it's, I feel like we have teams in my building. Okay. There's, there's like two or three people that just don't, they really not social. And then the rest of us kind of know each other a little bit and you know. Okay. So it's not like a huge, just high rise building. No, 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 no. Because in those high rises, you're friends with no one. It's like you're living in a hotel most of the time. I feel like. Oh, I lived in a high rise several years ago for a minute. And I didn't know the people across the hall from me. Same. I had yeah. no idea what their names were. I never saw them. I knew nothing about them. Yeah. Do you ever get in that moment where you're you're seeing the people that you lived by for the last five years? They walk out of their place, and then you need to both take that elevator ride together, and you both know nothing about each other, and it's just silence, awkward silence. I love it. I'm not a big elevatorer, but now I'm an, no. I'm in a walk up, so it doesn't even okay. Matter. Yeah, okay. It doesn't even matter. Okay. Um, you don't know that pain then. But it's the people across the hall from me now. I don't know them. Mm-hmm. They are not social people, but I know a lot about them. Yeah, because of these walls. Because I share a wall. So, yeah, again, oh, if you follow no. me on Twitter, the couple I'm always talking about fighting, that is them. Ooh. The fighters. They had a big, they have had more than one fight about a jar of mayo. Oh. <laughs> one of them was like, I thought you bought mayo. Mm -hmm. I did. No, you didn't. I don't see it. You never think about my feelings. You never, (laughs) you don't care about And I was like, wow. Something tells me it isn't much about the mayo and more about these deep-rooted problems. It's about mayo. And then there's occasionally, I think they're they're kind of partiers, right? So occasionally, Mm -hmm. I think there's a hangover situation with a you drank too much kind of fight. Oh, jeez. They don't listen to me. And if they do, I don't care. So I'm not worried about their, I don't feel like, here's where I'm going. With it. I was going to mm-hmm. say, I don't feel like I'm snitching on my neighbors. However, one time they had a fight about snitching and the best way to be a snitch. And I was sitting there like, the best way to not, to be a snitch is to not be a snitch. Don't yeah. snitch. Do you- Snitches in the ditches, people. You don't do that. But yeah. they were, they were going to like rat out a coworker for getting away with something that was it seemed kind of like he took a stapler like it was minor you know mm-hmm. and then he came in late to work and so they're gonna like rat him out to the boss oh they were like planning against him yeah they were like planning how to snitch and i'm like you guys don't snitch <laughs> snitching is the worst thing to do <laughs> amy i'm loving this because i'm picturing you listening to this conversation and wanting to dive into it too with That's like thing. the glass against the wall like up no to need ear. no need here's why because the wall that we share is a bathroom wall on both sides. Oh, come on. So that's like the echoiest room in the world. Yeah. Right? And so, and then the bathroom is just off the kitchen. So that's another kind of echoey area. So Mm. I'm standing at my kitchen, like making tea, and I can hear them (laughs) screaming through my bathroom wall and then echoing all around my shower, and I can hear every word. I don't need to put a glass on the wall. I hear everything. (laughs) They fight constantly. Man. Jeez, you know, you almost pray for the days for Mayo, like know, when, they're, right? when they're yelling about. Well, the they broke things. up for a minute, and I was, and I tweeted something really official about it. I was like, 
Excelsior, my friends. <laughs> I, ha- I bring you good news. <laughs> like I tweeted really joyfully about it. And for a week it was so quiet and peaceful and lovely. Mm-hmm. And then I heard them talking and reconciling and I was like, crap. Oh. They're working it out. They um, Really, like these people. I have yelled, please just break up through the wall. I have yelled that one time in just <laughs> exasperation. Really? This fight went on all day long. They work kind of weird hours. And mm-hmm. I'm if I'm not here, I'm working at home. Mm-hmm. And so I was like trying to do some work and I could hear them. And I was just like sitting at my kitchen table. And I'm like listening to screaming about what? why did you buy the seeded grapes? I told you to buy seedless grapes. You never think of my feelings. <laughs> like that was the fight they were having. And I was like, I got to get work done. This is driving me crazy. So I moved into my bedroom and I was working in there, but I could still kind of hear it. And I was like, mm-hmm. when I just had to yell, just break up already. Did they respond back though? No, actually, I will never comment again because because they, one of them was like, see. <laughs> <laughs> now they're taking sides. Yeah. See, <laughs> she knows how inconsiderate you are. And I'm like, oh man, that's not how it is at And all. he's all like, she must be a big fan of mayo, right. I'm guessing. <laughs> how dare she? Mayo apologist. Oh, they fought about peanut butter. They have fought about why didn't you put you know my sandwich on the table? Mm-hmm. Frequently, they fight about how she treats his... I guess he has good knives because they fight all the time about her carelessness with his knives that are fancy and special. Wow. There's knives going on between these two? They fight constantly. That doesn't sound very safe. There is no love between these people. That's... That is hard. That is hard. Because if it gets to the point where you're yelling about peanut butter and seedless grapes, I mean, as mad as that does get me, right? Uh, that's probably not a relationship that will last That you want to be in. Mm-mm. Oh, well, they've been there. I mean, they've been together at least two years because mm-hmm. that's how long they've lived there. Are they young or old? That's another... They're younger. Yeah. Okay. They're, oh, I'm grandma of the building for sure. Oh. <laughs> for sure. By a long shot. And like one of... One of aforementioned neighbors who's since moved out was trying to complain to me one time about about being bummed out about turning 30. And I was like, yeah, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. That was a very long time ago for me. Thanks. Bye. Being 30 was really hard for me, too, Amy. It was, it was a tough time. <laughs> Those are the, it's the- I woke up relieved the morning of my 30th birthday. I was so relieved to have my 20s behind me. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it was like a whole new chapter. Yeah, I was very excited. There's a whole new page in the Elvin book, in the, as you could say. Right, mm-hmm. the the microwavably erasable book, <laughs> and it be, and it comes full circle. Yes, that yes, it does. So I want to close this out on my neighbors, though, because the other thing is, I feel like I need a special hashtag for my neighbors, because you know everything I do, like I always tend to hashtag it. Like I was when I used to live down here, and I would walk have to walk through the bar area. Yes. After work, I use Guth Gauntlet. Those, World famous. Those tweets are still out there because mm-hmm. I would just live tweet what I was seeing. Um, I need a special hashtag for these neighbors because I I tweet about the ridiculous crap they fight about, like mayo and seedless grapes. Ooh, yeah, that'd be good uh, for our text line, I think. Yeah, so text us if you can if you have thoughts on what is the hashtag I should use for my neighbors, so that we can just we can all enjoy these tweets together and go <laughs> mm-hmm. search the hashtag for all of my ridiculous neighbor capers and antics. <laughs> Let me know what that is, and we'll I'll get that going. So. We probably have to take a break, huh? Yeah, we got to take a break. But can I just put a hashtag out there just to get us started? Please. How about hashtag mad for mayo? (laughs) I don't want to encourage the mayo (laughs) fights, though. Very true. And as we established, it's about so much more than mayo. It really is.
<laughs> Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez back in just a bit on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. It's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez. Well played, producer Mike Heideman playing this song right now as we were just talking about this particular song in the last, uh, I almost said chapter, in the last segment is what I meant to say, not chapter. Um, well played on that song. Um, anyway, so still lots to do on the program. We're really just at the halfway point. Uh, we, a little bit later, we're going to be checking in with the folks from Zen Yoga Garage Chicago, talking about yoga, talking about meditation. I think we can agree we all need to bring it down a little bit, chill out a bit. They're going to talk to us about that, particularly around the meditation part of that and the benefits of meditation. And we're going to be talking with Robin Woodman, whose business card says, pusher of the semi-reluctant. She's going to help us kind of get out of our comfort zones and talk about work she's doing with clients to help them live their best lives, do all the things they dream of doing. So before we do all that, though, we're joined by Amber Nettles, who is the president of the Chicago chapter of Women in Comedy. Hi, Amber. Thanks so much for being with us this evening. Thanks for having me. It's always nice to talk to you, Amy. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. And I understand you just did some stand up tonight. Oh, no, I was um, attending a show. Uh, it's called The Riff uh, at Diversity Bowl. Uh, that was the plan for the evening. I'm trying to go around to as many shows in Chicago as possible. There's so much great talent here, um, and it's just so much fun to see um, all these amazing people get up on stage and really talk about their point of view and how they see the world. Yeah, very, very much agreed. I think, you know, it's, there are so many things I love about Chicago, and one of them is there's always some component of storytelling happening almost every single night of the week. In fact, some nights you'll end up being torn between several events because in between, from ranging from comedy to to live lit to spoken word, there's always some sort of storytelling happening. And I just think that's so cool because this is such a city of stories. Um, but anyway, well, that sounds fun and cool. And Diversity Bowl is a fine place to be anytime for absolutely any reason. Um, but you are the president of the Chicago chapter of Women in Comedy. And a little bit earlier in the program, we were talking with Rex Hupke about the White House Correspondents Dinner and, of course, all the, you know, drama that's ensued around that. But but in particular, you know, there's been so much conversation about about Michelle Wolf and, you know, her role as a comedian at that event and what it means to be a woman in comedy right now. And, and you know, I think at least from the outside looking at it seems like your organization women in comedy seems seems to really um, do a lot of you know a lot of thoughtful discussion around that and and what it means to be a woman in the comedy world but also it it seems like you guys also take a really um, a proactively positive approach too and say well we can talk about that and it is what it is but also let's do all these things and and build a lot of cool work together. That's right. I mean, it, we're constantly having these conversations, but what I like about our, our organization in particular is we bring people together. We're constantly trying to find new comedians to support each other. Um, our mission statement is to connect, empower, and advocate for women in comedy. And so we really work on events and projects that allow us to, to continue to support each other, allow us to have the opportunity to have these conversations and to to fight for each other and to make sure that, you know, we're all working together toward a common goal, which is, you know, the parity, the equality on stage, um, having diversity on stage and in, in the writer's rooms, um, behind the scenes, et cetera. So it's a really great organization. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, well, you, you kind of already answered my next question. That was, as you're defining comedy, does that, you know, where are all the places that extends to? 
Um, do you mean uh, the theaters in Chicago? or uh, Well, you not, mean, not uh, specific theaters, but like you mentioned writer's room. So is it, it's not just stand-up. Does that include improv and writers no. and all, you know, all the ways comedy can be? I, I would think so. I mean, right now, for instance, um, on our board in Chicago, we have stand-up comedians. I personally have an improv and sketch comedy background. I don't do a lot of stand-up at all, and I've done storytelling before. Um, you also have, you know, women working in video, women who are working to to be writers on late-night TV shows. You have, um, in particular, one of the great projects that we're working on right now is called WICO. It's uh, an accelerator that I think I mentioned uh, the last time I was on the show, where we uh, we awarded scholarships, basically, to these women who are producing their first um, pilots or short films. And they're working out of 2112, which is an amazing space. Um, and right now we're actually looking for volunteer uh, crew so we can start shooting these films in June and July. So it's a really great opportunity, again, because it's not just it's not just about stand up. It's not just about being on stage. It's all aspects of comedy and and theater, really, and making sure that we're supporting women um, through the entire process, whether it's, you know, entrepreneurship and basically creating your own business around your comedic style all the way through producing film or being on stage or getting a sketch group together and being able to do a run at one of the many theaters in Chicago. Well, I think that part is so important because we, when we are talking about and thinking about creative endeavors, I think it, it almost seems like in some circles anyway, that kind of, that, that part of the conversation is a bit taboo. Nobody really wants to talk about the business aspect. And so I think a lot of people, mm. a lot of creative people end up, end up having to kind of figure it out for themselves and kind of wing it because for, for whatever reason, I, I don't really know why. And I'm sure there's, there's many theories, but, but for some reason it, it seems like that got, that became taboo or that became just, just kind of discouraged from bringing up the business part. Like somehow that made you less creative to, to think about the business aspects. I, I think that's, uh, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, really, because uh, we have these conversations. Well, I also work in an art gallery, um, Bucktown Gallery in Bucktown, obviously, and we have a lot of conversations about, you know, how to market a show, how to market yourself as an artist, how to get people to come out to shows, or get, and it translates exactly into comedy too. How to put a show together, find the money to produce, find the crew. Um, run it as a business because you also do have to pay your bills at the end of the day. And being an artist, um, there's always a conversation. I know that I believe you and I have discussed this before where um, art has value, whether it's comedy, whether it's storytelling, whether anything, art has value. And so a big part of the conversation that we have uh, at Women in Comedy is how do we make sure that we can help other artists um, with the business side? Mm -hmm. with Because uh, when you're starting out, especially if you don't have any sort of background or, or know-how, it is where do you go to find those resources and how do you um, find the people necessary to help you get to the next level, help you be able to create whatever you're trying to create. It's a really important conversation that probably isn't happening nearly enough. So yeah. we're trying to help fix that. And and where do you think people stumble the most? Or, or, or is there a mistake you see people making over and over, or maybe a stumbling point where they kind of freeze their project because they don't know the next step? Um, from personal experience, and I know um, the theater, I used to perform out of a theater in Norfolk, Virginia called the Push Comedy Theater. Amazing place, wonderful group of people. They just had a marketing workshop, I think, today or yesterday um, because there's a need for it. They have plenty of improv and sketch groups. Um, so when you're talking about 
theater. Um, you're talking about marketing, how to how to charge for tickets, how to attract the right crowd. Um, and that is probably one of the first things that you see a lot of people stumble on because it's I can post to Facebook, I can I can do this, but how how do I get to the next step? How do I attract the right crowd? How do I get the press to come out and cover my show so more people hear about me so I have an audience? Um, so, I mean, I think that that's something that a lot of comedians can relate to, whether you're doing stand-up, improv, or sketch. It's how do I get people to come out to my show? And then the next level, and I think that we're seeing this a lot at WICO, too, is getting into production of, of anything on film or digital can be expensive and time-consuming. How much time do I have to put into this? How do I find the right people who can be on my crew? How do I scout locations? There's so many different aspects that go into actually creating something. Um, and so it's very hard to do that alone. And so you have to find mentors. You have to find people who have done it before. You have to find the right relationships and the right people who can who can help you move forward, uh, which, again, I'm so proud to be part of an organization that's trying to do that for so many women across the country. Indeed. We're talking with Amber Nettles. She is the president of the Chicago chapter of Women in Comedy. We have to take a little break. When we come back, I have more questions for you, particularly about WICO, about the incubator program that you have uh, and and all the opportunities for people to get involved there. So we're going to take a quick break and shall return here in just a moment. Amy Guth in for Patty Vasquez on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Amy Guth in for Patty Vasquez. Thanks for being with us tonight. Always grateful to you for sharing part of your time with me. So we have been talking with Amber Nettles, who is the president of the Chicago chapter of Women in Comedy. And we've been talking about all the cool things they've got going on over there. And there are apparently some ways that anybody who would like to can get involved with that organization. Um, So we were talking a little bit before the break, Amber, about the incubator program, the WICO accelerator that you have there. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that and how people can get involved and who, who you're looking for to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the WICO Accelerator is this amazing program. It's a six-month program that um, a, a bunch of women applied for with their scripts, and we accepted these women into this program. So it's a free six-month program um, during which they receive mentorship, community education, resources, all culminating in an uh, actual um, production of their script. So it's been really, really great to, to build and watch. And I've been sitting in on a lot of the, um, the education sessions. They meet every Sunday. And these women are really putting in the work to make sure that this happens. And the support from the community and the people that we've had come out to do workshops and teaching and lectures have just been, it's just been phenomenal. So one of the great things is that we're actually doing a mixer on Sunday, May 20th, from 4 to 6 p.m. at 2112. And it's an opportunity for um, the women of the WICO cohort to actually meet anybody who's interested in being involved. Specifically, we're looking for um, DPs, assistant directors, audio, lights, editors, um, all the people that are going to help make the filming um, in June and July. And so it's going to be really great. I think it's going to be... sort of networking, sort of educational, but also kind of a big party because we're we're celebrating too. We're we're all together and we're working to to make these scripts a reality. And so it's just really, really exciting. Um besides that, um 
I had was just talking to a friend of mine. So I've been the Chicago chapter president of Women in Comedy, and it's been this amazing, amazing journey because I've met these great women. Um, we've put on a number of events together. I'm actually moving into a national director role, and this month we're recruiting for the next year's um, event committee. So that includes chapter president, head of marketing, event support. Um, and what we're doing is we're interviewing people, anybody who's interested in working with us uh, for a year. It's a minimal time commitment, and it's an opportunity to give back a little to the community, um, work with amazing, hilarious, funny women, put on a few events, and all work toward the common goal of, as I mentioned before, connecting, empowering, and advocating for women in comedy. So if anyone is interested in learning more, they can go to womenincomedy.org or email us at chicago at womenincomedy.org. And again, I'm looking for a replacement for myself as well as um, a number of named um, uh, event committee members, including head of marketing, head of sponsorships and outreach, but also just event support, women who would be interested, or anybody actually, you don't have to be a woman and you don't have to be a comedian, um, just someone who's interested in giving back and helping us help other women in comedy. Well, that all sounds like a lot of great stuff. And congratulations on Thanks. your new role that you're going to be moving into. Um, I, I, I want to ask, though, about um, you mentioned the application process, um, going back to the women that applied for the accelerator. How many people applied and how many got in? Um, I believe it was over, I want to say it was over 40. It might have been over 30. I don't have the exact number. Um, and then I believe we are producing, I think we're at the point now, 10 scripts. So it was it was fairly selective. The scripts that came in, um, you know, we had to read through all of them and determine which ones um, were the best fit for the program. Um, I believe most of the women were from Chicago, but two were actually from, I believe, L.A., so the scripts, um, the acceptance or um, the program itself was open nationwide. And I think when we do this again next year, we'll see even more coming in women from across the country, which is really exciting. Very exciting. And so, again, you, you mentioned yeah. you're looking for some um, key key roles to be filled within your organization, but also some crew members. And so what what experience level? Is that somebody who's looking to learn more about film? Is that someone who's working professionally? Or, or is there an opportunity for people with a lot of different skill levels um, on those sets? I think that we're, we're looking for a variety of skill levels. Obviously, it's going to be the most beneficial for these women who are getting their scripts produced to have... Um, have some people come in who have the experience, um, you know, if they're, they're looking to, to, you know, give back to the community. We're working with um, DePaul University as well, and I believe um, a number of our scripts are being produced um, by some of their students um, in their graduate program, too, which is really exciting. Um, so a variety of experience levels um, is what we're expecting to get. Obviously, we're hoping that we'll um, have some some really great, amazing audio and visual editors and DPs come in. But I know that uh, the women themselves are also really excited to um, build the community here and talk to people who are who are producing and, and making film here in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Earlier in the program, I was talking with Terry Gant, who's the owner of Third Coast Comics, and and we were talking about there. There's just there's a group of people that that you run into. You run into these individuals in Chicago that that 
that I always admire so much. And it's people who are, you know, recognize that so many talented people do a lot of hard work in Chicago and then get poached by one of the the coasts and end up in Los Angeles or New York. And that's fine. And everyone gets their success if they want it in, in whatever form they want it in. But I, I think it's so wonderful and so admirable when people are really actively building infrastructure and community around people doing the work here so that more people can can have the life the kind of creative life that they want here in Chicago. No, oh, I think you're absolutely right. And I see that all the time. I see that um, again, when I go out to the theaters here and when I watch the stand-ups, and you do expect, it, I think there's a joke that if someone's doing really well, they're probably going to leave in six months. Yep. But I don't think that necessarily has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of the people who are putting in work now to, to make Chicago even better. And the thing is, I believe Chicago is already amazing. Um, I, I think I mentioned I, I haven't been here that long. I moved here because I love the city. And I love the people in the city and I love seeing these people come together and work hard to make the city better. And um, so being able to to work on a program here like WICO and see these films being produced here and seeing the people here who are in the community who are working toward this is just really, really awesome. Indeed. Well, unfortunately, we're about to run out of time, but are there any events coming up um, that we need to know about and where can we get tickets? How can we find out all the things? And if someone is interesting and we're interested in working with your organization in one of the ways that you have outlined for us, where can they go to find out more? Um, they can email me directly at Chicago at womenincomedy.org um, about the WICO program. About um, We also have something called Writer's Circles, which are launching May 15th. I think that um, the application process is right on the edge there, but um, that's an opportunity for women to get together all across the country and work together. Um, and then, obviously, to, to volunteer with Women in Comedy, they can all email us at Chicago at womenincomedy.org. They can go win- to womenincomedy.org online or on our Facebook page. And then for our mixer on May 20th, um, our event is up on our Facebook page as well as on Eventbrite. And that's May 20th from 4 to 6 at uh, 2112. And that's the opportunity to meet the women in the cohort and to learn more about the scripts they're producing and to find out how they can also get involved in helping produce these amazing shorts. That's going to be a cool party. I feel like so many different areas of my life are all converging that weekend with different kinds of events that have nothing to do with each other and don't compete with each other. But oh my gosh, am I going to be torn that weekend because there's so much cool oh. stuff going on. But indeed, that well, sounds I like hope a great one. Yes, indeed. And you also mentioned um, Bucktown Gallery and an event there. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, we just closed a really amazing show by Tim Hyatt, um, who's a, an amazing photographer. And coming up, we have our next exhibit is called Counterculture. Uh, it's celebrating um, uh, counterculture in Chicago, um, different, uh, different aspects of Chicago that may uh, be missed or may be going away. And that actually opens on May 11th. It's called Counterculture Hidden Stories of Chicago. And that's at Bucktown Gallery in Bucktown. Cool. That sounds like another great event. You always bring so much more to my social life every time I talk to you. Oh. Thank you. And I thank you for <laughs> thank that. You. Well, always a pleasure. Amber Nettles, president of the Chicago Chapter of Women in Comedy. Thanks so much for being with us tonight.
Thank you for having me. You bet. Anytime. All right. So it is one o'clock. So we're just going to go right on to news is what we're going to do. 720 WGN. Hey there. It's Amy Guth and for Patty Vasquez tonight, hanging out with you till two o'clock. You know, one of my favorite subjects to talk about is yoga and meditation and all that good stuff, because let's be real in that... Mike's bringing the music back. I'm trying to talk about chillness, Mike, and you're like blowing my ears out with more music. What's happening? We're trying to have a Zen moment, Michael. Back to the Zen. (laughs) Can we please not with the music? Anyway, I'm kidding you. Um, But I think, you know, our our lives are demanding and stressful ones. and, And we have so much information coming at us all the time. And we're always connected. And that's cool. And it's fun. And it's great. But also, I think we're a little burned out. And so things like yoga, taking a time out, whatever meditation means to you, that could mean, I think, a lot of things to a lot of different people. But uh, whatever that means to you, I think it's valuable to just take a a minute and check in with yourself, even if it is just a minute. So we're joined now by Jennifer Lynn Levine, who is visiting us from Zen Yoga Garage Chicago. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you staying up super late to be with us tonight. You got it. <laughs> I always appreciate the night owls. So tell us about um, tell us about your studio and and how you approached yoga and or how it approached you. All right. So first of all, I'm from Zen Yoga Garage, and we are a yoga studio and a workout facility located at 1845 North Milwaukee in Bucktown. So we're right in between the Western and the Damon Blue Line. So we're just a place where you can meet uh, like-minded people. It can be really social. We offer yoga classes, a variety of different yoga classes. We have different types of levels. We have uh, more beginner classes. We have more advanced. We also offer hot yoga, which is super popular at the studio. Um, We also offer a burn type class. We call it a Buddha burn class. So it's kind of like yoga with sculpt exercises in it. So we use weights. And we also have bar, which I also teach there. so it's a little bit more of a yoga-influenced bar, but our students tend to really love it. Um, yeah, it's just a very inviting studio. We have garage doors that face the outside of it. Um, and so when it's nice out, like today was kind of the first day we had the garage doors open. So I was teaching. It was really nice to just have it, you know, cracked a little bit and to just uh, give us a reminder that, you know, there's another life outside those doors and just that extra reminder to what you learn on your mat to take off into mm-hmm. the regular world. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. You mentioned bar. I've only tried bar one time, but when I was a kid, my parents were so nervous about me having bad posture that they put me in this very demanding balancing kind of inspired ballet class. <laughs> and this woman had, I mean, this was a long time ago and you could now not get away with this, but she had yardsticks and she would hit like, not hit like whip, but, but, you know, more than gently press one on our bellies and one on our lower backs just to make us stand up really straight. We were little girls. I mean, we were like oh four and gosh. five and she would just like snap these yardsticks at us. And so we were so terrified. So so my friend tried to take me to bar and I was like, I didn't realize decades of PTSD that I had been carrying around yeah, from this, this woman. Yeah, that would like, be kind of traumatizing. I've <laughs> never little. seen that and I don't think I would ever do that. <laughs> so little and I'm still carrying the scars with me. Uh, yeah. yeah, but bar is, it's, it's amazing for your posture. Yeah. It's all about like using those abdominals and radiating out from there. Yeah. Which is all good. 
which helps all good in the hood. which which like it's all about core right and it's it's mm-hmm. like if your front's strong your back's gonna feel better and it's all good and we sit so much and we uh, do our hips are so tight yeah you know we got to open those babies out that's right we do we do okay so tell me more about uh, about um yoga, zen yoga garage because you also have a teacher training program yes we that do sounds really rich and, and wonderful. i am a zen yoga garage graduate of the teacher training and it took me I mean my journey is kind of long but I've been practicing yoga for over a decade and it took me years to just you know I had this weight on my shoulders like I knew I wanted to get certified to teach yoga I knew the calling was there and I just wanted to find like the perfect program and I just put so much heavy weight on that and you know I would pick one program and want to you know do my 200 hours in India or I would want to do it at one of the other studios around Chicago I've practiced all around the city for a really long time and it wasn't until I landed at Zen Yoga Garage I had a friend take me there and I knew about the studio and um, and I had some friends that have been teaching there for a while and I was kind of like more geared towards this other studio I was going to do my teacher training at but within like I'm not just saying this but within my first like week there because we do offer a free free week for everybody and you can take the yoga bar burn anything you want for a full seven days and so I did that and within the first couple days I was like this is where I want to do my teacher training this is my place like this is it you know it just the sense of community that you get when you walk into the studio I mean it's even set up to cultivate that kind of space you know we have a nice lounge area we have like lo- a locker room and showers and just like the music is great and um it just felt like this was my like home away from home and that's kind of when you want when you're a yoga practitioner or fitness practitioner of any modality where you you if you're going there every day or almost every day you want to feel comfortable and you want to connect with other people within your class and now as a teacher it's i can connect with my students in a totally different way and now teaching there it's just taken it to the next level and of connection with myself and with the other people in the classes and it's just amazing <laughs> And so how often are you offering the teacher training? Okay, so our teacher training is we offer it a couple times a year. I believe in the summer we have an intensive, but we usually offer, um, I took mine in the fall, and we also offer it in the spring, so it's currently going on right now. It's about 10 weeks long, and it's usually, let's see, I believe it's Thursday nights, and Saturday is kind of like nine to five. And then on Sat, excuse me, Sundays nine and fives. And then on Saturdays, we have an optional um, where you can practice teach. Mm-hmm. So it's totally, I mean, I went to every single Saturday practice teaching because I knew I wanted to teach. And you know, you learn that you become a better teacher by just spitting it out and just teaching it. Once you teach your first class, you never have to teach your first class again. That's right. Uh, so just getting that extra preparation, that extra one-on-one time with a lot of the amazing teachers that have been teaching the teacher training there for a long time and some of them were even you know part of the first couple classes of teacher training graduates um it just it it was i mean the way that the program is broken up um it's you know you get to learn about all different types of yoga so you're not just focusing on like hot yoga Mm -hmm. or specifically vinyasa yoga you know you're also learning about the eight limbs of yoga so we have specific workshops for like pratyahara specific workshops for your chakras and your auras and all these other things um so it's really a nice well-rounded teacher training that really equips you to get give you the foundation to maybe like explore a little bit more if you're more like okay i really liked this prenatal workshop i want to focus more on 
prenatal or this kids workshop that's part of it. So there's all these like workshops that are built into the training to really provide you with a solid foundation to move forward into your own training. Yeah. And then what about, um, I, you know, people, I'm sure there's someone listening that's maybe thought about yoga. And I feel like sometimes when, you know, I, I do my share of yoga all the time, but I feel like when just when I'm talking about it, sometimes the, the pushback I get, and I'm sure you hear it 10 times more than I do, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, I could, I could never sit still. I can't do it. I can't meditate. I can't, you know, there's a lot of can't, I think, when, when mm-hmm. people talk about yoga, even before they realize all that it is and all the different varieties, I think there's maybe some sort of image of what it could be. But but where would you recommend someone who's maybe yoga curious would start out? So what's great about our studio is we have tons of different types of classes. So we have, you know, super early morning classes. I teach a 5.30 class during the day. So Bless you your have, heart. <laughs> so, but then we also have, you know, a cl- some classes that are as late as 8.30 at night. So we do have one, you know, starting like the biggest, you know, excuse is kind of like, I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So by ha- offering a variety of classes at a variety of different time ranges, we can really set whoever up for success, just starting right there. Um, the free week is great so there's not the excuse of having you know needing to pay for that first class and kind of like feeling at the studio which is nice um and just a community aspect of the studio is that it's it's just super inviting you're not like coming in and you're like oh god just your blinders on and like not wanting to talk to anybody like usually our teachers are helping out um to check people in so you can connect with them, find their name out, and talk with them a little bit about where they're at on their practice. So when I see a new student, I automatically introduce myself to them, kind of talk to them about where their body is at today and just in general, like what injuries they have. Um, so we have yin classes for people who you know want to start a lot slower. Um, I also teach a level one two, so we we offer that a couple times throughout the day. So it's very you know more alignment focused, slow flow, and with the hot classes that we offer. So it is hot, and there's all these benefits of hot classes. You know, increasing your circulation, your blood flow, de stress. So for somebody who's like very stressed out and it's hard for them to focus the hot classes are actually really great because you're holding the poses longer they're very like basic poses they're taken from the like classic 26 and 2. Um, there's meditation that's usually offered into every single class um, but the hot classes are super popular for those that kind of have a more rigid schedule because it's more of like a rigid sequence it's not the same every time but there are certain poses on it in it that happen with every single class so you can kind of build on it go from there and start start there. I <laughs> yeah. think the I, hot classes are so polarizing, right? People either love them or they're mm-hmm. like, oh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, it's all about preparing with yeah, the right clothing too. <laughs> it is. That's so true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. If, if you're not if you're one of those people that like I'm one of the people that that like tends to layer up a lot and kind of peel mm-hmm. off as I get warmed up in a yoga class, I think you got to just prepare to walk into heat and stay in heat and, you know, yeah, not you, you peel. Yeah, you do, for sure, for sure. Uh, one thing that I really like about the hot classes is that, you know, by by teaching and practicing a lot, you know, my body is kind of sore a lot all the time, like not in an in a injury way, but, right. you know, just getting more open. And the hot classes really work to open out your muscles more. Um, so you'll kind of get deeper into the poses a little bit further, but you really get this, like, detox detoxification action that's happening too. So there's more, it kind of feels like there's a lot of wellness aspects to it also. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> which, which we all need. We all need to detox need from yep. all the stuff in our minds and our bodies, all that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break. We're talking with Jennifer Lynn Levine. She is from Zen Yoga Garage, Chicago, back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Doesn't a cozy, comfortable, low-maintenance outdoor space sound wonderful? Imagine a new deck or paver patio with a barbecue grill full of sizzling burgers. Hi, it's Tonya Khoury from my family business, Green Tea Services. Deck and patio installation is one of our many highly rated home services. Service to a green tea. We'll design your deck in real cedar wood or maintenance-free composite. Maybe you'd prefer a beautiful natural stone or paver patio. Call us now and get $500 off your new deck or patio. 805 Green Tea. Deck or patio, traditional or modern, with seat walls and fire features. Green Tea will guarantee an outdoor space you'll enjoy for years. Plus, get $500 off. Call us now for details. Green Tea Services, service to a Green Tea. 805 Green Tea. 805 Green Tea. Or greenteaservices.com. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. After I left baseball, I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. So I got back into the game with Nugenics. I'm feeling stronger with a lot more energy and drive. You want to get back into shape? Get Nugenics. All you have to do is send one simple text. Frank's right. Just text BODY to 321321 to get a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics samples are not available in stores. To get your complimentary bottle, text BODY to 321321. That's B-O-D-Y to 321321. Fly to the front of the line at LitFest on June 9th and 10th with a Fest Pass. Get yours before they're gone at printersrowlitfest.org slash Fest Pass. Seven twenty WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez tonight. With you till two o'clock before we turn things over to Nick DiGilio. So we are talking with Jennifer Lynn Levine, who is from Zen Yoga Garage Chicago, and we've been talking about the benefits of Chicago, benefits of Chicago, benefits of yoga in Chicago, and of course all the wonderful reasons we need yoga in our lives, and why we should not be afraid of it. Because trust me, it helps us all. Um, anyway, we were just starting to talk about some events that that we have going on that are coming up soon um, through yo- Zen Yoga. I keep wanting to not say that right. Zen Yoga. You can just say ZYG for short, too. ZYG. I'm going to do that. (laughs) ZYG. I'm going to write it down and put it in front of my eyes because that's a mouthful to me at 1.30 in the morning, almost 1.30 in the morning. Um, But that's all right. Yoga is always on my mind. Um, But anyway, so um, there's an event coming up that you're doing that's accessible to all. Yep. It's called uh, Chicago Moves Day. So it's May 2nd, which is Wednesday. It's at Federal Plaza, which is right at Adams Street and Dearborn Parkway. So there's a bunch of different sponsors for the event, but it's really just to get people out and move their bodies. So there's a a lot of different um, movement exercises, um, 
taught for, by different teachers, but we will be there at, I believe, 1245, and we will be teaching yoga. Excellent. And it's free. Even better. So head on out. All right. So Federal Plaza on the 2nd. And then you you teach and do things all around the city, not just, not just at... ZYG. Yeah, totally. So I, I teach about, at a, a few other studios around the city, too. Um, I'm at this place called Logan Square Pilates. I'm at Studio Fit Chicago, which is like an all-women's in Lincoln Park. I also teach her some corporate wellness downtown. Um, but my big, like, baby, I guess you could say, is so me and uh, two other friends. We've been running workshops and retreats around Chicagoland for about six years now. So we have a farmhouse that is out in Galena, and we hold uh, women's only retreats about twice, two to three times a year there. Uh, so if you wanted to check out Goddess Yoga Retreats with an S.com, you can sign up there. We have a retreat coming up in July, and we have one in August. We also hold a ton of different workshops around Chicagoland. We have a space that's located around Division and Ashland. So uh, besides teaching, I'm also a plant-based vegan chef. So I curate menus that are seasonal, organic, vegan. And we even do these chakra dinners where there'll be like five course dinners and we'll have the yoga and uh, another woman involved, she does Reiki healing. So it's kind of like well-rounded retreats and workshops and they've been a hit. So if you guys are interested, definitely check out the website for sure. Great. And that's goddessyogaretreats.com. Yep. Cool. Well, Mm -hmm. that sounds super fun. We got a text uh, a minute ago asking about um, senior yoga. Okay. So what what would you say the starting point is there if if someone's maybe um, doing yoga for the first time as a senior? Okay, this is a great question because although my mother is not a senior yet, she takes senior yoga with a couple women at her job. Um, So there's lots of different ways to start out as a senior. I would definitely start out with, you know, a beginner's class. And, you know, coming back to ZYG, um, our demographic is all ages so I definitely have clients that you know look like they're 18 (laughs) but then we also have some that are definitely in their older age um and which is great because you know sometimes you don't want to walk into a studio and just feel like oh my god I'm the youngest person I'm the oldest person it's nice to have that balance in a studio and I think it you know might have to do with the location and just the wide variety of classes we have but definitely starting off with the beginner's class Definitely not going into a level two type vinyasa with, at 6 p.m. where there's 30 bodies in the room and you're not getting that individual attention. Mm-hmm. I would also like to say that privates are really great for seniors to start off with. Um, a lot of teachers offer privates. I offer privates. Uh, so you can really work on breaking down the fundamentals of the yoga poses and being safe. So what happens with you know a ton of yogis, it's happened to me over the years uh, when you're starting off with yoga practicing the the physical asana is that you know you get that injury and then you work back from that injury and you're like oh huh that's because my hamstrings weren't ready to extend that far you know or like oh you know my, my hips are so tight and I'm gripping in my hips rather than using my abdominal strength so getting that one-on-one intention and you get that a lot in your beginners classes and the privates is really I think the best route to go just with my own experience and talking to other you know clients about it Um, You know, there's lots of different types of yoga that are great for seniors to approach with, you know, like an Iyengar type yoga class that's going to be more alignment focused. Um, 
is going to be great rather than like a super flowy one where you're getting all these chaturangas you know in a vinyasa class you you hear this word these words chaturanga dandasana you know the high to low plank your back bend your upward facing dog or your cobra pose and your downward facing dog and a lot of times in yoga classes it's just cued over and you're like okay well i don't really know what that is or i don't know how to do it correctly mm-hmm. so i think you know breaking down that tra- that those transitions is so important because I mean, I can't tell you how many people have injured their shoulders because they're just not doing it in proper form within their own body. You know, eat all of these yoga poses. They look different within each and every single body. You know, everyone's anatomy is different. Torsos are longer than the other. Hamstrings are tighter than than others. You know, everyone has these different medical histories. So really trying to find what works for you and finding a teacher that's knowledgeable about that. And isn't just going to like shout out cues and, Mm -hmm. you know, not, you know, we're very hands on at Zen Yoga Garage, too. So we do offer hands on assists. If you don't want them, it's totally fine. But we really like to connect with the student, you know, not just with our verbal cues, but with our physical cues. Right, right. Another text says um, it asks if, if it's your preference that people bring a mat or no. Um, we totally offer mats. Um, they're like a buck if you want to get them. Um, but yeah, I would definitely like, I would definitely suggest investing in a good yoga mat. I'm going to second that. I'm attached to mine. Like if I forget (laughs) it and I have to borrow one, I feel weird about it. I feel like it's not quite right for me that day. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. There's, uh, I would definitely suggest a good yoga mat. I remember when I first started practicing, I had kind of like a mat that I was just kind of like laying around. I don't even know how I got it. And I made this commitment to doing 30 days straight of yoga classes to just kind of like jumpstart my yoga journey Mm -hmm. and at the end of it I was like you know what I'm buying myself a nice yoga mat and then it just like it helped my practice because you want to be able to you know sometimes with um you know the I guess cheaper yoga mats you know they're not built as built as well to get that extra grip in your hands and we really want to protect our wrists in yoga so if you're not getting a really great grip you're um, you're not going to be pushing down from your knuckles as much from your palms as much I'm like putting my hands on this table right now imagining like okay this is what it feels like Uh, yeah and you don't want to be slipping you don't want to be slipping it's easy to slip especially if you're taking the hot classes you want to have a good grippy mat and a lot of the good mats are more eco-friendly too so there's like that extra bonus right that's a whole thing to to look up or two. I mean, they used For to just sure. be these like very chemically <laughs> sort of yeah, things. Yeah, like the smell never goes away. <laughs> yeah, they always smell like kind of rubbery. Kinda... Yeah. Yeah. I think too, you know, for me, when I first started doing yoga, the epiphany came when early on when a teacher realized that I was very lost in a very crowded room. I was injured too, kind of coming into it to heal. Yeah. And and I was l- getting frustrated because I was like, wow, this guy next to me is doing such a good job and I'm so far behind. And I was starting to kind of downward spiral. And mm-hmm. I think um, she said something like, you know what, it's your own practice and we're just doing this minute by minute. And it doesn't matter what's going on next to you. And I, I feel like she was speaking directly to me. She was she probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that was a pivotal moment for me in that, in that time because I think we were so conditioned to compete against each other and try to keep up with each other. And, oh, wow, that guy did that. You know, that person next to me did that so effortlessly. I must not be doing it well or enough or right or something. Right. When, you know what, I think there's a mental thing. For me anyway, there was a mental thing of just going, you know what, I'm at where I'm at. 
That's what I'm going to do today. Everyone has it. It's hard to get past it. I mean, I come from like a very active sports background growing up. So like competition was my jam. You know, like I played tennis and I ran. So all these like individual based sports. Um, So, you know, when I started practicing yoga, I was like, oh, my God, when am I going to be able to like nail this headstand? And then that wasn't enough. When am I going to nail this like handstand? And why can't I get into scorpion right right away? Exactly. (laughs) And it's it's not like, you know, we have to like embrace this journey. Mm -hmm. So like my like little tagline mantra is like finding joy in this journey. So it's like it's not like we reach this epiphany like, oh, my God, I got this pose. And now like everything's perfect and aligned in my life. It's like. There's always going to be these poses. I mean, trikonasana, triangle pose. It looks like an easy pose, but forever, the rest of my life, it's going to be something I'm continually working on. And you get these little aha moments. If mm-hmm. I could snap my fingers, I would. And you'll you'll get these cues, these verbal cues from like a, a really great teacher, well-seasoned teacher, um, or something will just like click in you or click in your mind and your body connection, you know, where you're focusing on your breath. And you're really feeling in tune with your body and you're really noticing these tiny isometric movements within your body, you know, these certain rotations, like you really get into the anatomy of the poses and and that's what makes it all worth it, you know, and you're out of your you're not you know, you're tuned into your practice and you're tuned out of everything else that's outside of your mat. You know, it's it's so easy to compare ourselves to, you know, like the big Instagram famous gals, yeah. you know, who can do all the cool things. But it comes back to everyone's anatomy is different. And, you know, there's we're all just like in this together on this journey together. And, you know, this is like a whole other conversation. But, you know, these yoga classes going to the physical asana, you know, the sequences, it's just one part of the eight limbs of yoga. There's so more that goes into it. So when you come further into your yoga practice, you know, you might get curious a little bit of like, oh, what is this like ujjayi breath? Like really, mm-hmm. what is that? Oh, the pranayama, the breathing, the breath work. What is prana? What is this like life force flowing energy that's outside of me that I'm supposed to be in tune with, you know? And and what about like my senses and, you know, the yamas and the niyamas, these like moral conducts for ourselves. So it kind of, you know, you find a mo- you find a piece of yoga that speaks to you, and then if you commit to it, you'll find other pieces of it that kind of like form your puzzle, I guess. Yes, getting a little too woo woo. That's okay. <laughs> woo woo is welcome here. Woo woo is always welcome on my show for sure. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Even though I feel like I could sit here and talk about yoga for the next two hours. Right. Jennifer Lynn Levine, thanks so much for being with us from Zen Yoga Garage Chicago. And again, that event is coming up the second at Federal Plaza. It is free to all for part of Chicago Moves Day. Did I get it all right? Sure did. Marvelous. All right, well, we'll see you there. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. All right, we're going to take a little break, go to news, all that good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guthin for Patty Vasquez tonight. Thanks for being with us. Always grateful to you for sharing part of your time with me. Whether that's my usual time, it's from 7 to 9 p.m. or uh, noon to 1 on Saturday, or say right now at 1.40 in the morning. So we are joined right now by Robin Woodman, who has one of the greatest business cards I've ever seen because it says pusher of the semi-reluctant on there. So she's a personal growth coach, and she helps people, particularly women, just break out and do the things we're all just dying to do. But, you know, we stop ourselves, right? We always say, oh, I would love to 
fill in the blank with big goal, right? Hike the Great Wall of China, do the Appalachian Trail, jump out of a plane, whatever. And then we say, but I can't because blah, 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 right? So Robin helps people jump through that hoop. Welcome to the program, Robin Woodman. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here across the ocean, even joining us from Europe. I appreciate you taking the time at early morning for you. Yeah, well, actually, early morning for you, but just before 9 a.m. for me. Okay. All right. So early morning for us both. Let's say that. <laughs> good, good times. Well, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. I think, you know, the work you do is so very important, and, and I think it's there's so much information coming at us in a, in a day. We were, we were just talking with this. I, I had someone on from a, a local yoga studio, and we were talking about, you know, the reason why we need to calm down and take time for ourselves. But I, I think equally important to calming down and taking time for ourselves and doing nourishing things like yoga is really identifying the things that we want and what's stopping us. And sometimes there are, you know, it's it's just, it's like an economic barrier. It's just, I wish I could do this. I can't afford it. Or I, I have two jobs. I don't have time. And some, but sometimes it's it's something internal, and it's because we believe we can't, or, or something even bigger, and 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 that's kind of where your work comes in. But the extra layer that you do that I think is so fascinating is how it seems like geography is really just not a barrier to you. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, I saw earlier your Facebook post when you were talking about it, and. Um, I just don't make it a factor. And, you know, as you were saying earlier about people who have maybe an economic barrier or maybe something internal, and I found that it's, it's, it's both. Mm-hmm. It is the different side of the same coin, right? So if you think that there's a barrier, then there is. Not to get all Pollyanna on everyone, but... yeah. If you think there's a problem, then there is a problem, definitely. And a lot of those problems that we think we have exteriorly come from the root of what's going on inside, definitely. And that's the that's the thing that I work with with clients, right? What's going on on the outside, what's going on on the inside, and let's really get to the root of it and then make a plan so it's not a problem. And, and where do you start with that plan, especially if it is something, you know, really practical? Someone's like, okay, I've got, I got four kids. I'm a single parent. I have a really limited budget, but I, gosh, I really would like to travel. I mean, that seems like kind of an impossible thing. And I feel like we have a lot of language around, I would have, but I would have done this, but this. And, and so where do you even start with that? And, and do you start with the I assume you have to start with the internal stuff we're telling ourselves first and then work on the external. Right. Totally. And, you know, that situation with someone who has four children and they think, I don't even have time to make dinner, let alone think about, you know, uh, think about the bigger things in life that I want to do or wanted to do before, um, you know, I had four kids or, and, and for me and, and my work with my clients, it starts with, let's, and I call it making gold. Let's start right where you are. So what is that? So you have four kids, you don't have time to make dinner. Um, but what if you just gave yourself a little space? So rather than thinking of, I want to quit my job and move to Europe. (laughs) What if it became, I want to have some sort of outing for the family on Saturday. So instead of getting mired down in the busyness of life, which we all often do. Mm-hmm. What about let's make some sort of adventure happen on Saturday? Let's start right where we are rather than, 
a someday or I need to, you know, do these things in my life before that's going to happen or I need to figure this out before I can make these happen. And and it's about starting right where you are or making gold. And again, I don't want to get Pollyanna on things and people are like, what is this woman talking about? I can't even make fish sticks on a Friday night. I'm too busy. (laughs) I totally get it. I totally get it. But it's that internal thing that starts that then moves you towards the external. And so it's, it's, it's both sides of the coins. I call it be and do. So inside, how am I feeling? How am I being? And then how is that translating to what I'm doing or not doing? So to get back to your original question, what does that look like for a client? A, it depends on where they are, but I always meet them where they are. I am not here to talk about, again, you know, running away and, and moving to Europe. I'm talking about the little things in life, giving yourself a little bit more time, cutting yourself a break. A lot of this, what I found is we're just not good at giving ourselves a break in terms of the expectation and the worry and the anxiousness and a lot of what we want in life starts there. Oh, totally agreed. I think there's so much. I feel like I worry about 15 things before I even leave the house in the morning. <laughs> there's so many. hundred percent. So, yeah, there's so many things. Oh, oh, did I pay that bill? Oh, did I do this? Oh, crap. I didn't unplug the tea kettle. Oh, I didn't do this. Did I leave this? Did I do that? Like, there's so many things that, oh, I didn't bring a book. So what am I going to do on the bus? Okay, well, I'll answer some emails. Oh, I got to make that decision. I mean, it's just like an ongoing sort of thing. So I exactly. love the idea of making that space there. And I really appreciated, I was listening to the show and your guest that was on from um, Zen Yoga Garage mm-hmm. and how you guys were talking about the benefits of meditation. I, you know, sometimes when you say meditation to to clients or to people you encounter that are, are not meditating, it, sometimes it'll induce an eye roll, which I totally get. Because again, if you start talking about a meditation practice when you have trouble carving out 30 seconds for yourself, that feels like too much, Right. It's kind of like when you were talking about when you were in your yoga class and you were feeling overwhelmed because the guy next to you was hitting the pose so effortlessly Mm -hmm. and you were like, what am I doing? And you started your spiral. It's the same kind of thing. And I think it's about in life and, you know, we can use meditation as example, but it's about what can I do right now for myself? What is that? Is that closing my eyes for 10 seconds and deep breathing because my stress is through the roof? Is it maybe that bus ride that you're talking about where you didn't bring anything to do? Great. Great. Just mm-hmm. sit there and zone out mm-hmm. because that time that you give to yourself is probably going to be way more beneficial to you than the two and a half emails that you answer hurriedly on the bus. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then the geography part that you work on, um, I, I think that's so fascinating because I, I, I believe so many people dream of that. So many people dream of... of um, Either how can I travel more or how could I be in more places during the year? Could I have a two city life? Could I? And it seems it is a lot more attainable. A lot more people are doing things like that. It's air travel is not as out of reach as it was decades ago and things like that. And you yourself live in many places. And so where where does that factor in and what does that look like for your clients in, in all the different ways? You know, it depends on it depends on where they are. I have a lot of clients, women mostly, um, who are professionals, and they are not. They don't want to be in the office every day anymore. They don't want to do that. Which, as you said, it seems to be 
the goal for some, for a you know, group of people, for some people, and so we talk about in, in that case. If I have a, if I have a woman who is a professional who is finds herself having to go into the office every day, it could be a conversation starting off with the boss. If you're not the boss, if you're if you're the boss, then that's a whole different conversation, right? Because then that's about getting your business in line with your goals of life. For me. One of my biggest goals of life is geographic freedom. And along with that, my second one is hand-in-hand financial freedom. So it's about identifying what's important to you. So let's say I have a client and she says, I want to be more geographically free. Got it. She's a professional. If she doesn't want to go into the office like she had, that for me starts with finding out what her exact situation is and suggesting that she go in and have that conversation with whoever is above her, right? And it could be, hey, right now I come in from nine to five, I do this, this, and this. And I think that if I work one or two days from home, I can accomplish this, this, and this. And so it's about opening that conversation with whoever is in charge of that decision. And a lot of times, a lot of times, of course, because what does that person above you care about? They care about your productivity. They care about, are you meeting the goals of the company? Is their life getting harder because you're not there? And so it's about preempting that of, um, let's say you have a trial period where you work at home for one or two days a week, and then you just really knock it out of the park. Knock it out of the park for what you're delivering and then suggesting a follow-up so you can go back and say, this is what's been going on. We've been doing one to two days. I think this is really working. And then I'd like to maintain this if it was on a trial or I'd like to do more. And so I think it's about looking where you are and seeing what you can do to expand your freedom. And, you know, maybe you're in a job that you don't like and maybe it's not the fit to be having some geographic freedom. So maybe that's the moment where you kind of assess where you are and you look where you want to go. What does that look like? Maybe that's a job change. Well, I think that's probably up there for a lot of people, right? I think so many people are like, oh, Monday, you know, you just scroll through social media on Monday mornings. People are like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go back. I have a case of the Mondays. I don't want to do this. You know, there's so much dread. And I feel like there's a lot of insomnia on Sunday nights on social media because people are dreading the week ahead and the work that they have to do. I know the Sunday night blues. Mm -hmm. And so you know, often when I talk about, you know, Amy, when I talk about when I work with clients and it's be and do, you know, sometimes that involves getting really clear with yourself. Like, am I settling for this job, for this Monday that I have to go into, for this life that I'm living? Am I happy or am I settling? And and sometimes, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do this work. It's not, it's not easy, you know, because you're actually looking at yourself very, very closely and carefully and saying, am I going to have to make some hard decisions? Am I going to have to make a move in, in life? And I don't mean like a geographic move, but I mean like, am I going to have to make some sort of change in my life that may be painful at first or filled with fear? Or, or am I in a position right now where I can make some more minor changes? So it just depends on the situation. Yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of good gems there. And I think uh, anytime these kind of subjects come up, I think sometimes 
little defensive things are triggered in us and they're wonderful roadmaps because they'll tell us kind of where we might be stuck or what we're resisting leaning into things like that we're talking right now with robin woodman she is a personal growth coach she's joining us right now from she's in europe right now so she's really walking her talk indeed living in more than one place doing all the things we're going to take a quick break come back and have more of this conversation in just a bit here on 720 wgn Seven twenty WGN. Amy Guth in for Patty Vasquez tonight. Thanks for being with us this evening. Always grateful to you for being with us and sharing your time with me. So we've been talking with Robin Woodman, who, as I said earlier, has one of the coolest business cards because it says pusher of the semi-reluctant, which is a great way to summarize the work that she does as a personal growth coach. And we were talking a little bit about that work and how we can just kind of start where we are, where, where you know, you may want to you may be dreaming of something big and juicy and wild, but it might be a little bit out of reach for right now. But she was talking a little bit with us about some strategies we can use to just kind of give ourselves something right now and get a little space because there's a lot of stress going around as we have been talking about in the last hour. So Robin, I wonder next about um, where to even, you know, I think sometimes we get disconnected from those big dreams when we're just kind of in survival mode. When when money's tight, we're working a lot just to kind of make it work. I think sometimes it's easy to lose track of, well, what the heck do I even want right now? Because right now I want is pay, paying rent or getting the, you know, new clothes for the kids or whatever. I think sometimes practical things practical as they may be and as necessary as they may be, sometimes it disconnects us a little bit um, from those kind of big maybe childhood dreams or dreams that we're, we feel are too silly that we don't want to admit. How do we reconnect to those when we're, when we're looking, when we know we got to make a change, but we aren't sure what it is? Great question, Amy. Um, I think that those are the things that you can do in your daily life. Um, I mentioned it before. I call it making gold. So it's not as if I was in the U.S. one day working at a job, sitting in, you know, sitting at my desk, and then all of a sudden I moved to Italy the next day. That took a while. <laughs> that took a while to happen. But, but what we can do, and, and I understand, of course, about the stress of, of finances and, you know, daily things, is make, find the moments throughout the day. So, for example, you don't want to go into work on Monday. But on the way there, what if you took a different route? What if you walked a different way? What if you noticed a new coffee shop? Um, and, and just putting a little bit of variety and a little spice in your day can can really just kind of snap you out of the monotony of it. So that's the if you're if you're worried about your Monday, mm-hmm. or for example, um, if you are really, if you really are just worried all the time, and it's just exactly what you're talking about with Zen Yoga, with um, the Zen Yoga Garage, is finding moments for yourself. Maybe you close your eyes and deep breathe for 10 minutes. Maybe you listen to a piece of audio on the way to work on the bus that's really inspiring and uplifting. Because I have found that when my clients spend little moments for themselves throughout the day, it just gives them a little bit of breathing room. And I think, I think that that is a really good strategy to help yourself when you find that you're kind of drowning in the overwhelm. Mm. 
drowning in the overwhelm, I feel like, is a theme, you know, that comes up a lot. It's a it's a contentious time politically. People are stressed out. There's so much information coming at us that that I think that's such a wonderful way to put that. Yes. And something I work with with clients as well, and like you, you mentioned the politics of it all, mm-hmm. um, is you are not required to take in every 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is if you're upset about something or you want to, you know, do you want to make a difference, step away. Of course, you can be informed, but step away of the 24 hourness of it and channel your energy into something that makes you feel good about the situation. For example, you hear something that's upsetting to you. Maybe you want to donate to a program. Maybe you want to donate your time. Maybe you want to write a thank you letter to a legislator that did something that represented you. And so I think that that's part of the little moments that you can give yourself on a daily basis that contributes to quieting your mind and helping yourself push back that anxiety and that overwhelm that tends to come more quickly now at us. And that is one of the things I also work with my clients all the time are those little tips and tricks and strategy because once you make a little room for yourself amy for for those little those little tactics you find that those big dreams that you are talking about they have a little bit more room to come in yeah and then they'll come right back hopefully (laughs) and then people can remember them and and then go and do those step-by-step things that you've been describing well unfortunately we're out of time but robin thank you so much for joining us and we people can find more at robinwoodman.com if you follow me on twitter i will be sure and tweet out links to her site and to all the sites mentioned tonight so robin thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me amy you bet